Turn in your Bibles with me this morning, Mark chapter 4. can hardly believe that you're here. Uh, y'all stand with me too for the reading of God's Word. Over the last 30 years of ministry, there are passages of Scripture that I've seen the Lord use the most in, in the feeble ministry that He's granted me. There's those I, I saw salvation happen more frequently, but the most consistent text, I guess you would, and it's always different, that I have preached and seen God minister to people is this portion I'm going to read for you today. And of course, outside of the the teachings of sanctification and consecration and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I mean a passage, a story out of the Bible that has so much relevant truth for us, and it would be this story this morning. So you're getting one of my favorite texts today. So I trust when you leave, it'll be one of yours. Mark 4.35 And the same day when evening was come, Jesus said unto them, Let us pass over to the other side. When they sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And Jesus was in the back part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awakened him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? And then Mark 5, verse 1, And they came to the other side of the sea. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. As I teach today, slash preach, teach, let it blend together, I want you to think of the individual occurrences in your life where you are aware that God is calling you from A to B, where he is inviting you from A to B. And the overreaching theme that we are on our way to Zion, the beautiful city of Zion, we're on our way to heaven, God is calling us to the other side, spiritually, from this world to the next, from corruption to incorruption, from mortality to immortality, from physical life to eternal life. That's the goal. And mixed in with that journey to the other side, there's a lot of other little sides where he calls you to assigns you a specific ministry, uh, a specific uh, destination. Our life is filled with those. And storms, you, you, you can't figure them out. Uh, you know they're coming. You can kind of prepare for them. But even if you, I've found that even if I sense them coming, there's still a, well, I didn't prepare for that part of it. Storms come to awaken us, calling us to action, response, movement, and even relocations. What do you mean relocation? Well, after you have a storm and a shipwreck, you wind up on Malta and you go, well, I guess my residence changed from where I was to 101 Malta. You know, it it moves you. Storms come to reveal you. Strengths you didn't know you had and weaknesses you thought you'd hidden. I could just stop right there. I preached already. Storms do not create faith. They expose faith and or the lack of faith. Storms have a way of revealing the goods inside of you. 
Storms also come to destroy you. God plans and or allows every storm that comes to your life, but the ones that come from your enemy, you say, how can you say that? Because the Bible is crystal clear. He comes to see who he can destroy. The devil comes to, to destroy you, to consume you like a, a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. What does devour sound like to you? Destruction. And there are some storms, spiritual storms, demonic storms, storms of opposition that are coming for the destruction of you, your spouse, and your family. That's why you must be wise as a serpent and understand these tactics. And having done all, stand. Stand in the armor of God and not move, unbendable. Storms come to prepare us. Storms, you go through one, you know, these people, I'm going to ride out this hurricane and it happens to be a good one. And the next time one is on the, on the news, they prepare a little differently. Very few of them ride it out again. And those that do, like, no, that little bit of wood ain't going to help. Here, we, we, got, we got to change. Storms educate you. They prepare you for the future. They can strengthen you. That's the hardest thing. When you, when you are blistered in your hands from rowing and your, your, your face is chapped from the wind and the rain. And there's no help or hope seemingly on, on the horizon to think in that moment, this is going to strengthen me. It's hard to do, but it's a fact nonetheless. Well, let me tell you what else storms do. When you successfully navigate a storm, it frees you. And this, some of y'all don't know this yet. Many of you do. When you come through a Red Sea experience... Swollen brooks don't scare you no more. <laughs> when you see the ocean part, the, the sea get up out of the way. It's making, oh, guess what's happening? You go, that ain't nothing. There's a freedom from coming. There's a freedom in coming through a storm that should have killed you and other people didn't make it through. There's a freedom that comes. They went from, see it in your Bible, they went from fearing the storm to fearing God. That right there, storms educate and change. They free us from fear in this world and fear God only, which is the beginning of wisdom. And storms bring change. Very quickly, number one, types of storms. Unforeseen. Unannounced. Jesus said, let us go to the other side. Where was the comma? And there's going to be a great storm coming. Most storms that I encounter, I can't say most, many are unannounced. Many you can see coming. If you walk in the spirit and you know the word and you watch the news, you can tell storms that are coming. But he doesn't say, John, Monday at two o'clock, this is coming. So you don't, well, Lord, if you'd have just told me, I'd have got prepared. Well, we know how that works in school. You know, the test is coming. You know, February 9th, we start preparing February 8th. Yeah. Instead of to watch and be ready. Violent storms. Ferocious storms, merciless storms, day storms where you can see but you can't change it, and night storms. Night storms are the scariest. Not only are you fighting the elements, but you can't see what you're fighting. Relentless, seemingly unending storms. What do these storms do? They awaken us. They reveal us to ourselves. They prepare us. I told you they free us. 
But they also bring revelation of Christ. In the end of this story, the people saw, the disciples saw Jesus in a way that they didn't see him before. They went from information to revelation. I used to play ball when I was little, little league, and I was always a, a, a tailback or a scatback, they'd call them. I was the littlest guy on the team every year. Don't laugh. We change. Y- y'all said, my spouse changed. Yes, we do. We change. We, I'm twice the man I used to be. Uh, but I was the littlest guy, and uh, they said, oh, you sure are fast. No, I wasn't fast. I was afraid. <laughs> and you pitch me the ball, and there's this guy twice my size. Any of you guys remember in Little League, you're old enough now, the helmets fit, and they're all air designed. Y'all remember they'd give you one, and it didn't fit. You could spin it around on your head, and they go, oh, it's good for you. You know, you just, I'd wake up. I mean, you get knocked and looking through your little ear hole, and you just, you know. And they'd pitch to me, and I'd, pew, I was gone. And so when I went up a league, I literally was half the size of the people on my team. One half the size. We want you to play tailback. I'm like, y'all ain't never seen speed like y'all going to see now. I'm, so they pitched me the ball out of fear. And fear has another gear, baby. Fear, you get close to me, that guy's, and he just go by him, and the jersey go like this. The guy said, what was that? I don't know, but it was something fast. He just went by. So when we went up a league, my brother Jim and my daddy said, now, John, you're going to get hit in this league. I said, oh, no, I've been playing ball three years, man. You know, nine, ten years old. I'm not a... No, 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 son, son, you're going to get hit. I said, I understand. So fast forward one, one game. I was doing, they do a double, a little league double reverse. It's not much efficient. You know, that means he dies. Because uh, nobody's fast enough to take the first reserve reverse, but they're waiting on you on the second one, you know. So by the time I got the ball on the second double reverse, Goliath of Gath hit me. <laughs> he cleaned my clock. He knocked the brakes off of me. And, you know, I did one of those where you spin around and the parents go, oh, Jesus, help. And I, un- concussion protocol. There was no such thing as that back then. Guys, you remember waking up and the guy's pulling on your britches trying to get air to you and I'm looking out the air hole and I'm laying there and when I come back to this world, I didn't say it, but I'm thinking, I've been hit. That was, that was real. I went from information to revelation. Some of us do not have the revelation that other people do because we bail in the storms and never let the Lord show us what he wants to show us in the middle of it. Because it takes an event to take you from information to revelation. All right. The meat of the message. Number three. The doubts you have to deal with. The doubts and faithlessness that come to the surface in storms. You have them. I have them. Oh, get rid of your doubts. No, no, don't get rid of them. Work through them. Work through your doubts. Address them. Navigate them. Apply the word of God. Stand. And when you work through your doubts, they become the concrete of your soul. But storms will, storms will have a way of stripping the veneer off of our profession, revealing only what is a possession inside of us. All right. Letter A. They doubted his nearness. Look in your Bible. Verse 35, he said, let us. In every storm, almost every storm, this will be your first challenge. Don't forget the us in your journey. 
Let us start a family. Let us start a home, a marriage. Let us start a ministry. Let us start a career. Let us relocate. Let us open a chapter. Let us close a chapter. John, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. It's me and you. And when you lose sight of the us, fear comes in and can, and can ravage uh, years of work and planning and fruitfulness and can eat away at the very fabric of who you are. As long as there's an us, there's a peace. I'm with you always. In always. Well, what about always? But back there, always. If you believe that Jesus was with you every moment of every day, what would you ever be afraid of? That's it. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith in God. It's the us that gives me confidence, not the me. I don't have any faith in me. I have less faith in me today than I've ever had. And I have more faith in God today than I've ever had. Let us. Who's holding my hand? Who's charting my course? Who's guiding my path? Who is my foundation? Who's the author of my faith? Who's the finisher of my faith? God on my, us. I go nowhere without him. And for those of you waiting on the Lord, I'd rather be a year behind him than one day ahead of him. Because I want to see him. I want him to be in front of us. I want to follow you. They doubted his word. He said, let us pass over to the other side. This is where it's hard. When you know God's word. Logos. When it's been revealed to you. Rhema. When God has given you a promise. Let us go to the other side. And all the events that follow the promise contradict the promise. The storm was present. The word was the day before. And the present screams while yesterday whispers. Let us pass over to the other side. The one that can remember what God said, when you can remember in the darkness what God said in the light. You said what? Pass over. When you can see the storm more clearly than you can see what God told you yesterday, you're in trouble. Yes, we're supposed to be able to see the storm. I'm supposed to be able to clearly articulate where I am and what's going on. But I am to be more predominantly, what Andy shared, focused on what God has said, where God is, who God is. He said, go to the other side. Well, what about this storm? I don't have an answer for the storm right now. We're just trying to make it. But see, you can struggle. You can be overwhelmed. You can be blistered and wind chapped. You, your muscles can ache and still not be afraid. When you say, I, I don't know. I can't answer these questions about the storm. But I can tell you one thing. One thing. I'm going to the other side. I just don't know if we're going to make... Look at the world. It's going to hell in a handbag. Well, it may be going to hell, but I'm going to heaven. I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I'm concerned with the dynamics and elements of the world. But he's taking me to the other side. And if God says you're going to the other side, to the other side, you're going to go. My citizenship is in heaven. From whence also I look for the Lord Jesus Christ, who's going to change my vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. 
Jesus said, if I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I'll come again and receive you unto myself. Because where I am, I want you to be. I'm coming back for you. You making it. You carved in my hand. You carved in the palm of my hand. And if he said he's coming back for me, he's coming back for me. Well, I don't believe he's coming back for you. Or for my, you say, for me. Well, he may not be. He's coming for me. I don't believe he's coming for me. Well, I agree with you. Oh. Well, I know what the Word of God says, but that's where you lost it right there. Then answer me about all of this. I can't. I can only remind you what the Lord said. I love uh, at the resurrection of Jesus where it says that an angel had come. There was an earthquake and an angel rolled the stone away and was sitting on the stone. I don't know this to be fact, but it wasn't even like this. So you got some jagged rock or something. You have a balancing act going on there, don't you? See, why does he think like that? I don't know. This is the way it works. But I, I don't see the angel sitting there like this. I think he's probably <laughs> kind of relaxed, you know, waiting on them to come. Why do you seek the living among the dead? What's wrong with you? I have watched the Christ for eons. Not a word comes out of his mouth that doesn't happen. And then he said, he got up just like he said. What's wrong with y'all? Well, yeah, but we saw them whip him. We saw him, but we saw the flesh fall off his back like ribbons. We saw his eyes close. We saw them push the thorns into his head. We saw them lift him up high and stretched him out wide. We saw him thirst. We saw him claim that God had turned his back on him. And we heard him commit his spirit to God. And we saw him be put in the tomb. Hell would say. We saw him come into the lower parts of the earth. And he was there three days preaching to the captives. You know that lamb you sacrificed for 2,000 years? I'm here. And in just a little bit of time, we're getting up out of here. And he took captivity captive. And he was raised from the dead. And the angel said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He got up just like he said. Just like he said. And here you are. You have a promise that God will keep you preserve you, take care of you, heal you, love you. And the only fear that comes in is when we see our storm more clearly than the promise. Storms are, see, we think if we have enough faith, we can make storms enjoyable. Let's claim a recliner on my boat. <clears throat> claim some, some air conditioning or heat or claim. No, the storms aren't comfortable. And that's not the proof of God's presence when your storms are comfortable. The proof of God's presence comes in Mark 5, verse 1, when you come to the other side, just like God said. Y'all aren't responding, but I'm preaching good. I know I am. I can feel it. They doubted his omniscience. It said in verse 37, there arose a great storm of wind that he didn't mention. We figure if God didn't mention something, he didn't know something. Why didn't you tell me about this blind side? Why didn't you tell me about cancer? We wouldn't have started this family. Those are legitimate questions. But see, we figure if God was in control, uh, he, he would have prevented something. We equate control with prevention. How can the Lord raise up a standard before the enemy comes in like a flood? Now, God's not reactive. He's proactive. But his reactions 
have already happened in preparation. How can he be a healer of someone that's not sick? How can he be restorer of someone that's not lost at all? Don't think that God doesn't know because he didn't prevent something. We have the same lot in life that the people that don't know Christ have. We are in this cursed world, but we have blessings that are not available to them. We have knowledge that's not available to them, revelation that's not available to them. They doubted his control. It said, and the waves beat into the ship. I want to be very transparent here with you. I, I usually am very transparent, but this is something that I've only mentioned once before. In this 23-year journey, I want to go on record and tell you that God has done for us exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask or think. Undeserved. Got us this building. When we got it, it was like a $12 million building. And we put a million four. We borrowed a million four to get the building. It's grown. It's grown. We started churches. It's grown. It's ebbed. It's flowed. But if you'll allow me to, and this sermon's not about me, but I'm giving you one example. The least qualified person in the room. Oh, you're just saying that. No, no, no. You don't know my history. There's no difference in him telling me to start a church and you telling you to start a church. I've never been to Bible college. I never had a mentor. I never had anybody poured into my life. Just winging it from, from day one. Just us. Let us. So I had the, come on, John, let us start a church. Come on. And there's a dilemma that falls on every minister. When it's working and growing and people are getting saved and you're having to add staff and the money for everything you need is coming in, God gets the glory. And when people leave and the money stops coming in and it seems like the vitality is going down, you get the blame. Now, I'm not being a martyr. Just hear it in context. This is the inner struggle of a believer just like you. I'm like, Lord, I've never preached about money here. I preach Christ. We are at about a third of what used to come in a couple of years ago. Now, we have $6 million equity in this building. Here's another thing. So here I am. Do you ever feel like a possum for the Lord? Like you just come out in the street and you say about <laughs> Red Rover, Red Rover, send a semi right over and you go. So I stand in front of y'all. We got an offer on the building, $7.5 million. We're going to close in two months or three months. We're going to net $6 million. We're going to relocate. I've got land. Somebody's going to donate the land. We're going to build. We'll have 3 or $4 million in the bank, debt-free. We get to closing, and a billion-dollar corporation who's paying cash for the building doesn't show up. Never called. Evil people. Never called. <laughs> Never showed. So I'm like... To the best of my knowledge, didn't, didn't you tell us to sell? Because I can miss it, man. I can miss it like you did. I just, Lord, I just know that with what's coming, that that's the way we're supposed to go. Because this economy, there will be not only a national destruction, there will be a global reset. It's promised. Just, just wait and see. It's coming. It's, so I, I believe, Lord, you know, we need to be in that position. So, so when, and again, please... This is why I made sure I didn't say anything before the offering, okay? The Lord is my supplier. 
I am being as vulnerable as I know how to be. I said, I'm not going to resort to manipulation or tricks or have a significant contribution dinner. And for those that give a certain amount, you treat them like royalty and you, you know, like poodles and you bathe them and put salts on them and esteem them and put their name. We're not. But nonetheless, this is the first time this last six, eight months that we don't have coming in what's necessary to operate. Now, planning on refinancing, pulling some money out, and putting it over here, because God's took care of us. That's not the point. I'm, I'm thinking, Father, you said you would build your church. And the us, what am I doing wrong? Am I in the way? You know, eight years ago, and this is just a figure. I'm just trying to give you perspective. I'm not trying to move you. I'm trying to give you perspective. We could have $30,000 come in on a Sunday. And last Sunday was six. Okay? And so when you have the note, and our building is tw- it's a wonderful building. It's 25 years old. And when you go to have a repair, there's nothing under $8,000. We want $50,000 to fix the roof. Hot water heater went out. They want eight. Two air compressors went out. They're 15 each. I said, can you hold a check? Never had to ask them. Well, I haven't asked them, but you know, when? Like, next year? (laughs) But the feelings you have. Can anybody relate? I thought you said, let's go here. And we're not going to have fundraisers. We're not going to have a capital fund drive. And if anybody gives out a, God bless Pastor John, we need to know. I'll send it back to you. We don't know. Because there's a lesson here for me, just like in the beginning. We figure he's not in control when where he's told us to go, we seemingly can't get there. The waves beating into the ship. They gave us a $20,000 bid on that little front part of the roof, on the flat part. So we got about $100,000 uh, of outstanding uh, maintenance coming in. We're current. We're current. To my knowledge, we've never been late one time to God be the glory on anything. But what I'm telling you is when the waves beat into the ship and it's one thing after another, the ship becomes full. What does your Bible say? Waves beat into the ship so that it's now full. What do full boats do? Okay. So here's what the devil tells. See? God's left you. Everything those people that hate you prophesied is coming to pass. You're going to have yoke all over your face. You're not going to be able to make the bills God, uh, you're going to be the cause, the dilemma. Uh, When the waves beat into the ship, you start to get a sense of doubting God's timing. Like, Lord, we we can't, you know, we've got buckets out. This ain't like a house roof. If a house roof is $8,000, guess what a $100,000 roof is? I don't want to know. I don't even want to bid. I don't even want to bid because we don't have it. What do you do when the waves beat into your ship and it gets full and you understand that if God doesn't step in, okay? So if something doesn't change, like I hope we get the refinance, we're going to, you know, God gives you seven years of blessing so you can navigate seven years of lack. I'm, I'm not fearful, but on the surface it looks like, have you ever felt like it looks like God just went to sleep on you? Now you know better. So we doubted his awareness We doubt his timing. We doubt his awareness. The Bible says, look in your Bible, that Jesus was asleep on the pillow. Now we know that he that keepeth Israel does not slumber nor sleep. But doesn't it seem sometimes, and see that, I believe that's why it's written here. 
Jesus, the man, was asleep. God was always watching. Doesn't it feel like you got to wake God up to tell him what's going on? And I'm standing before you as honest as I can be. I am not afraid today about our church and provision. I just don't know. It's like, can can God set a table in the wilderness? You know, can he fix a roof that's leaking without fixing it? You know, I'm at that place here personally as as a minister where you feel like you got to wake him up, but that's, that's one of my strengths. I know I don't have to wake him up. And if you feel like you got to wake him up, it'll reflect in how you pray because you're updating him on what's happening. Lord, I'm, I'm glad you're going to listen. i got to tell you what's going on. You ain't going to believe this. And the Lord's like, really? I didn't know all this was going on. So they awoke him, and here we get to the crux of it. We're almost done. Here we get to the crux of it. They said... What I believe to be the cruelest, not cru- the most painful thing he ever heard. The evil people called him Beelzebub. They called him a false prophet. They called him a liar. They called him a charlatan, a hireling, a false shepherd. But when the people that knew him best said, Carest thou not that we perish? Look in your Bible. They doubted his care. That's what the devil's after. Because if he can get you to forget how deeply God cares for you, you're dead in the water. Carest thou not that we perish? He said, what? Don't you care? You know, why don't you? Grief, because if you care, you'd have done something. If you care, you'd have told me. If you cared, you would have stopped the water from coming in. You'd have stopped the bleeding. I'm believing And I've been on record. Hey, I've done this 23 years with you. Sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong in the how. But I believe God's going to step in and do something, and I'm going to point to it and go, told you. Told you. Told you. I'm thinking, you know, here we got all this maintenance and stuff, and while they're building out there, the value of our building's going up and up and up and up, and somebody's going to come in off the street. Hey, well, y'all, you know, we had a contract for $7.5 million that we've never had a capital fund drive. Do you hear me? Would you take 10? We'll pray about it. How about 11? Sold to the girl with the green dog. Let's go. Right here. Shoo. Now, money's not the issue. God wants me to navigate through here, just what Andy said. Tell you the truth and let you look on my countenance and listen to my words. Am I worried? Not at all. Do you know how he's going to do it? Not at all. This much I know. Christ Chapel is his church. It has never been my church. And if he can't keep it open, close the whole thing up. No worries. We're going to worship him. Hey, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know this. This house will focus on his name and his glory. And we've worshiped in an office park. We've worshiped in the hood. We've worshiped up. You know, when we moved up here, we changed our answer machine to the Jeffersons. You know, moving on up. We, Christ Chapel. So it's not an issue of left or right. It's if he said other side, if he said I'll build my church, then he's going to build his church and he's going to get all the glory. Can someone say amen? amen? All right. Ben, would you come up, please? Master, carest thou not that we perish? Who told them they were going to perish? Come on, talk to me. They... What did they do? They looked at all the facts and figures and came to a carnal conclusion that's 
pretty accurate. I've not known of one full boat that didn't go down. And Christians will go, well, you just tell me then. You look at this. What do you say? I think you're right. Full boats go down. But what did God tell you? Well, he said we're going to the other side. Well, if the boat goes down, I guess he'll just let you breathe underwater and drag you all the way to the other side. I don't know how this is going to play out except that your carnal rationalization of A plus B equals C and C plus D equals E, that progression takes away, you don't bring into account the sovereignty of God. Things you can count on. Is your Bible open? Guys, if you'll put this on the screen for me. Verse 39. Things you can count on in the storm of your life. Christ always arises. Do you see it? He always gets up. He always stands. He always arouses himself. He always speaks. Oh, I just wait. I can't wait. When we got this building, I told, told you. We've navigated the best of times. Told you. We've navigated the worst of times. Told you. Our room swelled up, bursting out the walls. Told you. They walk out. Told you. On and on and on it goes. But Christ rises. You, you can keep me down, but you can't keep him down. <laughs> oh, I don't have time. I, like I, it's just, when we got ready to buy this building, I sought the Lord. I said, how? And as clear as the bell, I can't give you all the details. I saw a flash, like, a, uh, like you take a picture, but it was a movie. And it said, you got to sell your land. Clear as, I can tell you now without no notes. You got to sell your land. Uh, you have to sell your church, where we're at, Second Baptist, and ask the guy that's selling the building for $5 million. I'd met one time. So we met and I said, here's what I need to do. I need you to, and it was, I'm sorry, not just sell our land. We had the acres there on Nile Road and we paid $400,000 for it. I said, I need you to buy my land for a million dollars. We have to sell our church and then I need you to give me $5 million. You can say what you want. And these are generous gracious, kind people. You don't give $5 million to strangers. Christ arose and said, put this over here and moved on this good couple's heart. And they said, okay. While that was going on, a man walks in off the street in a suit and said, is this church for sale? Beth called me. She said, I think I sold the church. Can I do that? (laughs) So I'm telling you, Based on his word. Even if it looks like he's sleeping. He's going to wake himself. And stand. And Christ always conquers. He arose. Rebuked the wind. And said unto the sea. Peace be still. Even nature obeys him. I wonder if he said. Hey remember me. The one that made all this. And even after you stop the wind. The sea don't stop for hours. Y'all know what I'm talking It don't stop for hours. All of it stopped. He spoke. He conquers. And I want to tell you this morning. I want to encourage you. Christ always has the last word. You think when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Wait till Jesus stands up. And, say, and he says, peace. 
He didn't ask him, would you consider being peaceful? Peace be still. And then Christ always addresses the issue. He said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? No faith when the greatest object of faith stands right in front of you. No faith when I've given you so many reasons to have faith. Now, wait a minute. No faith. Not little faith. You remember how Jesus would say, oh, ye of little faith? He said, you don't have any faith. If I was on the boat, I'd be like, I got some. It's got a little. No, you have no faith. Because if you had faith, you would be seeing me more clearly than you see what you're in. And then they feared exceedingly and said, what? I've got now a revelation of who God is. See, we wanted the storm to stop for comfort. God wants it to stop for cause. When the storm, when the Lord teaches, the storm ceases. It's like, did you get that? Did you get that? And then I wonder when they came to the other side, what happened? I wonder if any of them said, oh, didn't he tell us we'd get here? Just a few hours ago, I'd have swore to you. And it doesn't say how they got there. Did they row or did Jesus just do a, I don't know. When they got to the other side, they're like, get out of here. Full boat. Did they bail it? Or did the full boat just float all the way to the other side? Either way, it was miraculous. The final thing to bring it home. Usually, Simon Peter was the one that spoke up. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Simon, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my father. Yeah, that's how I do. I just got that revelation. You know, Simon's always saying something profound or stupid. Profound or stupid, you know. I, I would lean to believe that he was the one that said carest thou not that we perish presumptuous and later we find Simon chained to 16 soldiers in the book of Acts and the night before he had watched them take a sword run it through James the brother of John James fell dead and they put the sword to his neck and said you're in the morning and it says in Acts you look it up And in the same night, Simon was found sleeping between four quaternions of soldiers, which means 16. Death sentence. And they put it to his throat. And here he is. Here he is. And they're chained to, how are you chained to 16 men? You'd have to be chained to like four because you got four extremities. And then they're chained to four. And they're chained to four. And I know it's a curse. Your mind will just go like this. And they're changing. And he's like, can y'all come in just a little bit? Come, come here. I can't. Yeah, that, I mean, almost. Come a little closer. Whew. Thank y'all. Good night. And it says asleep. All right. You ready for the hammer to drop? That same guy wrote, cast all your care on him. Wait a minute. For he cared. I didn't think he cared till I came through the storm. And I didn't think he could till I came through the storm. And I thought I had to worry till I came through the storm. And now I can watch him die on my left side and right side and sleep like a child because the Lord is with me and for me. Oh! No weapon formed against us can prosper. Y'all stand. Y'all stand. Come on, Ben. Sing it for us. Come on. No 
There's power that can break off every chain There's power that can empty out a grave Can y'all give us the lyrics? There's resurrection power that can save There's power in your name Turn being up for Power in your name There's power that can break off every day
I'm so glad the Lord reminded me of this one thing, and I'm going to let you go. I got a, a call yesterday, and you know, um, in the midst of the personal part where I was telling you, I'm like, Lord, you know, am I in the way? Is, is this just, God, I, I just want to do your will. I just want to be in your will. And I don't have an answer for all this. And I got a call from someone. They didn't call me for this reason. And I don't know them well. She said, Pastor, the Lord had you in my heart. And uh, I just want to offer something to you. I said, okay. I didn't know where it's coming from. I don't know them well. I just feel in my heart that the Lord's about to pour blessings on this house. And I'm like, really? She said, yeah. And, I, and, and, and new life and new people born again and I just feel like it's coming does that bear well yeah yeah so I invite you to go with me to the other side have a wonderful Lord's Day God bless you sing it again